This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash, hmm, you can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. I'll rip your arm off. You what? Get your ass back home, get in the gym, and figure out what the hell you're doing wrong. Why is it called the five-point move? I'm frustrated with the way our Greco guys in the United States are treated. Because they are good athletes, they are good human beings that, that want to win. We've got to help them get there. Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the 5 Point Move podcast. I'm Tim Hans, founder and senior editor for 5pointmove.com. And with me is 1995 world champion, 1996 Olympic silver medalist, Dennis Hall. It is trials week. That's what everything is kind of gearing towards. Uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Hall is somewhere driving in the middle of the boondocks uh, as we speak. Where are you right now? I am uh, by Plainfield, Wisconsin. Okay, so the yeah, boondocks home is... Of, home of Ed Gein. Of what? Of Ed Gein. They did a movie on him. Okay, yep. Haven't seen it. Um, yep. You should watch it. I'm not, I mean, is it on Netflix? <laughs> uh, it might be. I don't know. But it's, it was in uh, at video stores, too. So Anyway, so where are we at? We are with essentially a two-stage senior process once again. You like, you like two-stage trial selection, yes? I do. I think that puts emphasis on nationals and guys that are fighting harder at nationals. When the... When it doesn't matter, you get guys skipping nationals and, and things like that. So I do like the two-stage because it makes uh, nationals important. And I think if you win nationals, you deserve a leg up. Well, starting next year, it looks like there's the potentiality that goes away, right? Um, I don't know if you were aware of that. It just came out today in the you know the Coach Limlin's report. But... Um, what nah, is, I wasn't aware of it. Okay. What, what are they doing now? Well, there's nothing has been changed yet, but the crux of the issue lies with the timing of the Nationals and the Pan Am Championships, which it has been a week apart, uh, at least, you know, recent history. Yeah. Week apart. Okay. So, you know, it has been the open winner goes to the Pan Ams. Yep. Okay. Well, I mean, it that used to be the thought is, and I mean, if you want me to cite uh, exactly, I will. But I mean, the, basically, the thought process is that you know that was okay when the other countries weren't, you know, the Pan Am countries weren't as strong, you know, and with the exception of Cuba. But now some of these other countries are coming up a little bit, and you know, do you really want guys the week after the nationals going, making weight again, and the competition levels raised a little bit? You know, they're not all like I think I think Lindland used the word scrubs. They're not all scrubs anymore, basically. So what it would be is essentially I think Pan Am champ 
would get a buy. If the, if you win the Pan Ams, I think you get a buy to the trials, uh, trial finals, best of best of three. So are they going to take the national champ to the Pan Ams, or who are they taking? No, because the here let me read it so I have it uh, so I have it accurately. Okay. Yeah. This is this is from the Coach Lindland Coach report that came out today, which is Tuesday. Okay. Yep. So that and this this is something that he I, I believe is in the proposal phase. Is not locked down. They this yeah. may not shake out this way. So. This is his words, okay? So, we are going to change up our procedures and use international tournaments to determine who sits out. And I think that will be someone like the Pan-American champion. The Pan-American champion will get a bye to the finals, and everyone else would compete in the challenge tournament. Because UWW and USA Wrestling are not going to change their dates. The Pan-American championships are a week later after the Open, and that is too much of a turnaround for such a critical event. I've talked about this before. In the past, I think we looked at the Pan Ams like, oh, these guys are just scrubs. They're not. They are getting better. They are getting better coaching, and and there are higher caliber athletes. Not only that, they are showing up to that tournament like it's their world championships, and they are peaking for that event. Not that I'm saying we want to peak, but we don't want to come in right after a U.S. championship either. Our guys in 2018 performed incredibly well at the Pan Ams, but they were coming off of a high, and it is hard to get to that same level of intensity a week later, especially after a long travel down to South America and another weight cut. I have to reevaluate. I'm skipping ahead here. I have to reevaluate and give my guys the best opportunity to perform to the best of their abilities, and that's not by having them go two weeks in a row. We're going to make some serious adjustments pertaining to this and do what's right for our athletes, aside from just putting on a great show at the U.S. Open. We can get our best athletes on the world team, regardless of what happens at the Open. We can still put our best guys on the team. Thoughts? My thoughts? Uh, you know, who? how do they determine who goes to the Pan Ams? they got to think that through. You know, that's... Yeah. that's the, you mean the qualifying criteria to get to selected to go to the Pan Am, especially next year? Yeah. There's also Pan Am Games, yeah. right? So um, yeah, both. Um, yeah, I mean, because that that you know, if that's your only chance to get a bite at the finals, you know, how do they determine who's wrestling? That that fair? I don't know. Well, I, I don't, don't believe it is. I'd no. be a little pissed off. Yeah, I I would have if to. If I think. wasn't picked. There's got. I'm sure you know? that there would have to be a, some kind of criteria, right? I mean, I don't think it's just going to be a draw. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's going to be this year's world team member. That's it. You know, that's it. I think that's it. Well, and that makes a little more sense, I guess, long as you stick with it. You know, and don't yeah. change anything up. Give that guy the first crack if he wants it. Yeah, right. That wasn't uh, enunciated here, but yeah, I mean that's the gist, I think, uh, perhaps. But uh, yeah, I, I do believe that might be part of it. Um, it's, you know, it's not reportable yet, uh, essentially. But yeah, uh, like yeah. yeah, that I think that would be it. Um, well, I mean, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it, it does. It, well, it it does, especially since that they're changing the 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 pay scale. You know, it was. 
you know, you they were guys were getting more money to win the Open than they were the Pan Ams. Well, now that's being flipped. So, um, you know, the, the onus is going to be on international competition. In concert with that, the seeding for the World Team Trials is going to be based on, I mean, at least partially based on a software program that weighs international victories over the past two years. And that is a new development. Indeed it is, yes. Um, the only it problem is what it is. It doesn't matter. You got to win the trials anyway. It, you know, right, well, right for the mini tournament, it, it's it, it's not for the mini tournament, especially when you consider who the top four or five seeds would be for each bracket. They're they're all, I mean, mostly guys who you know have a mixture of international exp, ex, matches each year and. You know that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, for the, I mean, maybe not ninety percent, but I mean, 75%. the thing is, a lot of the guys, you know, on in Greco, they get a little bit of international experience. You know, you, your top three get usually gets tours. I know that's the way it's been in the past. Right. You know, the four, four through eight. You know, it's going to be hard to see those guys. I mean, they they don't get a chance at getting a good seat. You know, you're not getting the tournaments, and that's hard. You know, that's it. It, it all comes down to funding. They got to fund the program better. Yeah, right along with that though is when you talk about international wins, there are very different types of international wins to be had. Um, oh, for sure. You know, there are wins that you can pick up at. Uh, not to diminish anything, but I mean, a win at. Have Visto Cup is very different than a win at the, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, Hungarian Grand Prix or uh, what's Croatia, Zagreb. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's, there's sometimes, not all the time, but most of the time, there's different caliber of opponents to be had here. So, uh, you know, a guy could have a boatload of international wins at a couple of events where it's a mishmash of you know, levels, you know, it's, I don't know. You understand what I'm saying? Like, there's, you know, you know, international wins are one thing, but you know, who are those international wins against? Were they against guys, guys from other countries? They're fours and fives or something. Were they, you know what I mean? You don't know. So, um, sure. Now let me, let me ask you this. Okay. Uh, Let me ask you this because I don't, you know, I mean, my lot in life is to pump up all of this stuff and to pump up the world team trials and to create exposure for the athletes at the world team trials. That's this is, I mean, the driving force for everything we do. So our selection process, the trials tournament. Okay. And when I say the tournament, I'm not just talking a mini tournament and the best of three. I mean, look, let's look at it as one full thing. Okay. Okay. Um, do you think a trials tournament, the way we do it, with especially with a best of three final, do yep. you think that system is necessary for our country, given the sort of depth uh, available? Yeah, I mean, you don't want to play. Are you talking bringing it down to one one match? No, no. Or what no. are you talking about? I'm talking that I don't think, you know, like, I mean, there are several other countries that do it quite differently. Um, but yeah, some pick their guys and screw people. Well, wait a minute. I don't see, agree with that. Okay. But you see. Okay, you know, here's, a, here's a typical example of what some countries do. Agassi Manukian, 
won the nationals in 1988. And because he was from Armenia, they took a different guy to the Olympics because they could only have so many Armenians on the team. Okay, but that's that's right. But that's a, that's a but that's a nationalist political thing from that side of the world. What I'm talking about, if we're, we're just gearing this all towards performance, okay? The idea. Okay. okay well, here, first and foremost, I'm, I'm not going to talk about the idea of like, let's say you have a tournament. Uh, well, now we have the best of you know we have, we're back to a two stage process, so that's not a concern yep. so much. At least not as much of one. But I mean, when it, when it is a one stage process, or you know whatever it is, some you know you you also run the risk of like you know the 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 guy a guy in a bracket who everybody knows is the best guy in the bracket, okay, Whom, whomever we're talking about, best guy in a bracket, and he goes and slips on a banana peel in the quarterfinals for some reason or another, and has the worst match of his life. Then was he the best guy? No, he wasn't the oh, best. Come guy. on, the best guy performs. All right. Well, okay. I, I mean, that's my I, thought I, process. You know I, what? You got to be ready for the you. day you're competing. No, I'm yeah, not. I'm right. says you're he's not. not ready. What if somebody get? Anybody could get caught. What if somebody gets caught? Yeah. You get caught. You get caught. Then you weren't the best guy that oh, day. Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. But what about this? I mean, I mean, this has been this has gone on here and there for uh, for years, right? So we have some yeah. guys who are very adept at competing domestically and know how to win against other U.S. guys, but aren't as strong performing internationally, right? You know what? Then the other guy needs to figure out how to beat him. Okay. If he's so the you... best guy, he, he deserves to represent the country. Otherwise, why not handpick the team and say, you like this guy, you like that guy? You know, I mean, it, it all comes down to being prepared. If you can't beat the guy, you got to figure it out. You know what? I'm tired of people freaking trying to hand people stuff. <laughs> I'm not trying to hand anybody anything. I'm just bringing it up and playing devil's advocate. Okay. Yeah. There's, no, there's other did, ways. To but do. I, I'm just saying, I, I, I think the trial system is the fairest, and I love it. You know, I mean that. That's what I love about our about the sport. You know, and it goes back to high school wrestling. You know, you have wrestle-offs. Why do you have a wrestle-off? To see who, who's who's the best on the team. If one guy can't compete, I mean, we've had guys on a college team that, at UWSB that, you know, couldn't, couldn't wrestle and get the job done, you know, when, when uh, he was competing for the college, you know. Didn't pull him. Kept kept feeding him. Kept helping him. Working on his mental mental side of the, the sport of, with competition. You know, and I I think it's only fair. You know, you got to develop these guys. You got to help them fix their problems. Okay, so right. I I'm I look. I I don't have a, an adverse opinion to yeah. the way we do our trials. I'm just interested in the idea of supplementing it with a different approach a, a little bit, um, at least getting yeah, in the conversation. I, I, yeah. I don't, I don't like that process because then you come down to politics and I don't kiss anybody's ass. Okay. Okay. I, right. You know, Fantastic. I mean, that, it, it does. I mean, look at it. it. If you have different ways to, 
screw somebody, everybody's going to be trying to get an angle. You know what? The angle is on the mat. Yeah, absolutely. I Look, I, there's no current athlete where I think this really fits, where, like, where there's no real... There's no real standout case where I look at certain guys who are active right now, our best guys, where I look, I look at them and I'm like, you know, he might win the trials, but he's not good internationally or vice versa. That's not, I don't see it that way. But I think it's interesting yeah. in other countries where some weight classes, they have four or five deep. And when I say four or five deep, I don't mean they have four or five good guys. They have four or five good guys who could all be number one. Metal. Exactly. Yes, that's yeah, depth. Yeah, no, I get it. And, like, I think it's interesting that they don't have, like, what you might define as a more democratic process, you know? Yeah, no, I get it, but that comes back to the way their countries are run, too. Well, of course, and plus we're talking about all state-sponsored programs. Yep, for sure. So, right, okay. Uh, how many world teams did you make, anyway? What, like, two, Seven. one? No, come on. It's got to be less than that. <laughs> um, I hear you. I, uh, if you count two in the world, then that's why I made nine. Let me ask you, let's go nostalgic a little bit. How about, what was your first world team? What was that, like 90? 1990, yep. I, I was right? Oh, man. Yep, just, you were right. What was special about your first uh, trials win? You know, I was uh, in the mini tournament. It, it was a long process. You had to uh, win the mini tournament. Then from there, you wrestled the number three guy from the U.S. Open, best two out of three. Then after that day, you wrestled a guy from, that was uh, number two. And yet, actually, I wasn't in the mini tournament. I was third at national, so I was... I wrestled the winner of the main tournament, best two out of three. That was, and then uh, that was Anthony Amato, and he got hurt in, uh, I think, the second match. And long story short, um, I I won the two out of three against him. Then I wrestled a guy that took second at the U.S. Open. I beat him two out of three, and then I beat – uh, Bam Bam, Mark Pastelnik, uh, and to make my first world team, um, you know, being able to, so, um, you know, it, it was, it was, it was a long, grueling process, and then to, you know, be able to represent my country at the world championships, which were in Rome, was awesome. It was a dream come true for me. Uh, little bit that I didn't know is uh, that year I got my, I had my worst losing streak, I think, of my entire life. I lost five matches in a row, and I started to question myself a little bit. Do I belong at this level? And uh, that's a whole nother story. But, um, you know, wrestling in the world championships in 90, Russia was so dominant back then. I think they out of 10 weight classes, if I recall, they had 10 medals. It was ridiculous. Were you intimidated at all? I mean, I'm not counting junior world. Like, I mean, you had that experience, but like senior level, like. like I just did, didn't know enough. When you, I, you didn't you know, know enough. I'm 19 years old and first 
first time wrestling at the at the world championships. I just wasn't good enough. I I didn't know. I wasn't. My defense wasn't good enough. My my offense. I mean, I just I was a little bit too open on my feet. I didn't have my position in that. You know, later in my career, I had. You know, I, I wrestled beast and I lost to some guy I shouldn't have lost to. One, uh, my first loss was against uh, Patrice Morier, who was uh, France. He was a world champion in '87. I lost to him four to three, and then I lost to another guy second round. I should have, I don't know, I should have beat him, but I didn't. And you know, so I'm out and I'm watching the world championships, and I'm seeing all the Russians just dominate. And I'm, you know, seeing a lot of other guys from around the world, and I'm just taking it all in, watching and seeing and, and trying to figure things out. It was a good experience, even though I went on too. The way you, the way you kind of describe it, though, it's like you have to learn how to wrestle the foreigners. To, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, but you have, yeah, but you have to learn how to compete. I mean, at the world championships, like it's, it's not just you have to learn how to compete against foreigners, but you, competing at the world championships is his own animal. Like you have to learn how to wrestle that tournament, right? Yeah, for sure. See, that's what mystifies me beyond beyond reasonable comprehension. What do you mean? It's like it's its own style almost. Like the, you know what I mean? Like the worlds and the Olympics. It's like they're they're different. Everything looks different a little bit at those tournaments comparative to the other events throughout the the season. There's just it's different. Yeah, you know? because that's what you train for. You you don't. You know, I mean, your whole goal throughout the year is to get a medal at the World or Olympics. So there's a, it's a lot higher competition. Everybody is peaking for that one tournament. The foreigners could give a rat's, you know what, behind about a tournament in February. You know, they, they want to win, but they ain't peaked for it. And that's what people don't get about the international tournaments. You see a different level of animal at the world championships. These guys are ready to bite your arms off and rip your eyeballs out or whatever they got to do to win because it's big money for a lot of those countries. What about coming off of the bronze in 94, the 95 trials? What about the 95 trials? Yeah, it was, it was, I, I knew I was going to win. I, I believed it. I had the confidence. I mean, it, you know, success breeds confidence. The more you succeed, the more confident you become. Sometimes it can bite you in the ass, you know, because you, you maybe think you're better than you are, you know, but overall, for me, success helped, helped confidence. What was your favorite out of you know out of the seven senior? What was your favorite trial, not counting Olympics? Uh, the world trials. Yes. Whew. It's a good one. Um, yeah, it's a good tough question. You know, each trial was was great. You know, for for me, my first uh, making the first world team was pretty cool. You know, I'd say that would have to be my favorite trial just because it was something that, 
you know what? When I was a little kid, I dreamed about representing my country. And and to be able to, to represent your country at a great sporting event is pretty awesome. You know, so the other ones, once you make your first one, you're expected to make your second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seven. It just grows and grows. Yeah. 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 And then when... Then when your career is over, you wind up looking like Mr. Magoo. <laughs> yeah, for sure. What about this year? We had the, you know, like the most exhilarating national tournament we've had in like, you know, a thousand years. Uh, yeah. You know, like you, you kind of hope at least from a fan perspective, you really kind of hope that, uh, you know, I mean, you don't expect the, I mean, you don't expect the best of threes to be as as high scoring as you do mini tournament matches for sure. I don't think, yeah. you know, or at no. least you, or you'd certainly expect them to be a, a little closer at the, I mean, depending on the weight, I guess, but um, it would be really fantastic if the action on Thursday uh, throughout the challenge tournament, it lives up to what the open was. Just, just, yeah. just on aesthetics alone, we could use it. You know, the sport could use yeah. it. You know, especially you following know, a couple of age group trials that were a mess officiating that, wise. Yeah, I think uh, with the way it's set up, you know, I, I believe uh, there will hopefully the fan base will be a little bit better and just because of what's going on down there right now. You know, they're, they're with, uh, I the believe, du- a duel. duels, yeah, junior duels. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully a lot of those guys come watch and, and pick a guy and root for him. That would be fantastic. Yes, absolutely. It's nice when they have these events, in, in, you know, congruent with age group stuff. You know, yeah, it's one of the things this country is missing is that we as as wrestling media we are not focusing on the seniors enough and the problem with that is that we are not providing the youth with too much to aspire towards just not not the yeah. same way not the way i grew up you know not the way i grew up with issues yeah. of those black and white issues of uh usa wrestler where i would cut out like a 100,000 pictures and put them up on my bedroom wall you know, like, um, you know, we're, we've lost that, you know, yeah. and it's, that's sad. It's sad. You know, uh, it, it's great when these tournaments are next to each other and kids could come and, you know, just meander off and, you know, watch, you know, which are essentially the pro level athletes compete. So, um, you know, that's something I'm hugely in favor of for sure. Me too. Because who knows what kid sees a great throw and, and says, that's what I want to uh, do. Exactly. Uh, God bless you for even saying that, man, because, like, I'm a chain thinker that way, like, completely. You know, you don't know what you don't know. Like, you don't know who you're reaching. You know, you don't know what light bulbs are going off when the right people are seeing the right thing at the right time. You just don't know it. And, uh, yeah, that's important. It's hugely important for our country, for sure, because that's the only way these yeah. kids are really going to get exposed to it. Because I'm sure they're, you know, it's not like their high school coaches are going to be nudging them in that, di- in that direction, probably. Yeah. So, 
you know, speaking For of sure. really quick before we wrap up, uh, speak to the junior world team member who you had worked with, uh, Kuntz, Brady, Brady Kuntz. Yeah. Yes. Speak to him, please. But yeah, you know, he's, he had a, uh, not such a hot uh, trials, you know, not nationals, sorry, nationals. He had just got done with the folk style season at Ohio State, and he didn't have, he didn't have a ton of time to train, you know, and then uh, after he got done with the national tournament, he went back to uh, Ohio State for a little bit, then came back to Wisconsin. I had him for about four and a half, five weeks where, you know, we'd come in in the mornings and, and get a good workout and him and his brother were training together and I jump in in the mix and, you know, just teaching them a lot of the little things that that get overlooked or ain't, ain't focused on, you know, if, if you don't have a coach watching you. So, um, you know, I was really happy with, the way he's able to stay in there, bang, and, and get guys out of position and, and wrestling a Greco match at, at that level. So I think he, you know, he, he got a lot out of the last month of training. Now the focus is on, okay, let's go win a medal. We ain't happy with making a team. He made a cadet team, and we didn't come home with the medal, but what do you got to do? What do you got to work on? Right now, parterre is going to be key. You know, as well as I do, when, when you get to those upper age groups, you know, parterre plays a factor. So, did you did you work with him on his stance on a lot? That's what stood out to me. Is is I mean, stood, yeah, I mean, yeah. he's taught him big, I mean, but I, his stance yeah. is a good stance. No, I, yeah, he, was, he wasn't realizing pressure from his opponents. We really focused on getting in our in his opponent hard and uh, feeling the pressure that that guy's giving you, and then keeping your feet and your hands moving. So he did a, he did a good job that way. He made a lot of adjustments, you know, and that's the thing. You can make a lot of adjustments in a short period of time if you're focused. Yeah, I mean, he was impressive. I mean, both both the Coons brothers were impressive, but uh, the way he handled that final, uh, I mean, match one was a runaway. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, to you know, I chewed him out after he told me. I said, "What the heck happened in the second match?" He goes, "I was kind of a little nervous. I didn't want to be too aggressive." I said, "What what scored your points in the first round, dude? It was you. You were attacking the score." I said, don't take the foot, you know, your, your foot off his, or your hand or foot off his throat. Keep it on his throat and freaking keep choking him. You know, make him screw up. Force him to to want to make mistakes. Now, I, I didn't like that second match. Okay. I mean, it was great that he won, but... You going to uh, continue to work with him in between whatever camp stuff you yeah. have? Yeah, I mean, I was I was uh, in the room with them this week. Some uh, last week we were in the room working on some stuff, and yeah, I I know uh, this this week's been a crazy week for me. I had two camps already. Tomorrow, uh, 
tomorrow morning I got to get up at seven o'clock and head to another camp for three days. And then I get back on Saturday. I'll probably try and get a workout with them on Saturday or Sunday. So, and, and then next week I got five days of camp, uh, straight again. And so, but then after that, I got about a week and a half of downtime where hopefully I can get some mat time with them and start working on parterre. All right, so this is how episode 17 is going to work. We've had to patch it together somewhat. It's trials week. Everything is crazy. Everyone is busy. Hall's schedule is compressed. He's going from camp to camp to camp. He's traveling a lot. We're obviously busy around here, but we still want to make sure we included a couple of different voices. First will be Williams Baptist College head coach Jonathan Drendel. As many of you know, Williams Baptist is on the cusp of closing out its first year of existence. It's an up-and-coming program, to say the very least, and it's a program that everyone in Greco, really everybody in wrestling in this country, needs to get behind and support. Williams Baptist has an awful lot of potential. There are a handful of guys already who have made their presence felt, both on the junior and senior level. And being that this is kind of an important time of the season for Drendel, both in terms of coming off of a couple of trials tournaments, the senior trials this week, uh, recruiting is going to start, and just everything else, I wanted to make sure that he was part of this episode. So we're going to go to him first, and then after that will be two-time world team member Chaney Haight, who's going to try to make his third world team this week as well. And we're on with Williams Baptist head coach Jonathan Drendel, who is very shortly going to be leaving for Oklahoma. Before we get to the trials specifically, there's been two other trials tournaments so far this month that several of your guys have seen, you know, their fair share of action in. Mm-hmm. Uh, without even just isolating one athlete in particular, at least not just yet. Trials tournaments are a big deal in this country, regardless of age group. How have you liked the performance from your athletes so far, especially considering their experience level? Yeah, I think uh, so far our guys have uh, competed better than I've I've expected. Um, obviously, this is a very high level, uh, and, and getting confidence at this level is uh, is is crucially important. Um, and, uh, I, I think in the short number of competitions, these guys have improved a lot. Um, they felt more comfortable being out here with, uh, um, the best guys of the country and have, uh, proven that in the mat and in the competition. So I've been proud of the way they've competed. Obviously we've got a long way to go. Um, a lot more heights to, to climb, but, um, I, I'm proud of the way they handled this year and, and, and stepping, uh, um, stepping into the into the competition. Duncan Nelson has kind of really, I mean, lack of a better term, exploded here over the last few months. Um, you know, I, I, ha- I talked to a couple of other, couple of other athletes uh, around the country, guys in different programs. And he, he's somebody people are paying attention to. What have you seen from him? Just in not, not even so far as competition, just in the room that sets him apart. 
Uh, I mean, he he uh, he wants to win, and he understands that it's going to take a lot of hard work to get there. Uh, I mean, everybody at this level wants to win, but not all the guys show it in the in the practice room. And Duncan is a is a guy who does that. Uh, he's willing to put in the extra time. He's willing to do the extra work. Uh, he's willing to uh, you know do anything that's going to make him a better wrestler. You tell him that he needs to do this, he needs to uh, work more in this position or, or lift uh, a certain area more, um, he's on it. He's on it, and he's going to keep doing it until uh, he fixes the problem. Uh, so he, he wants to win, and it, it, it uh, you know, revolves around his entire life. Uh, he's dedicated, uh, and he's, uh, um, he's confident, uh, but understanding that he needs to continue to get better. Your heavyweight's another one who's gotten some pretty good matches in. What about Carwath? Uh, I mean, besides the fact that he's, you know, a relative beast. I mean, the, the kid is is like a he's like a wrecking machine. The the way he comes forward, the way he's pressuring these other big guys around. Uh, did you expect him? Because he was kind of a tweener, weight class wise, in a way. Uh, did you expect him to be able to raise his game this much? This you know, this quickly. Uh, the the thing with Connor is, is I knew he had the potential in him. I, I knew he had the capability of of, uh, of being at that that next level. Uh, it was just a matter of getting that to click with him. Uh, he didn't necessarily see the uh, the folk style success that he wanted, and there's a lot of reasons that went into that. He uh, flip flopped some weight classes for a while. Um, uh, had a red shirt that got pulled early, um, a lot of reasons, but I think for the most part, he just wasn't having fun, uh, wrestling. I think the transition over to Greco, uh, uh, really, really spoke to him. It really fit well for his personality, his wrestling style, and things just clicked. Uh, and they didn't, uh, I didn't expect them to click this quickly. I, I knew he had the potential. I knew he could get there. But I didn't expect it to be this 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 soon. Um, so yeah, he did he did surprise me with the success that he's he's had this year. Um, you know, even at uh, uh, the the Bill Farrell, um, you know, he lost both his matches, but you know, he showed some some very strong promise. Uh, and I, I think we've we've only uh, we've only started to see what he has to offer. Well, I mean, you know, look, I don't, I, it's, I mean, it's cliche at this point in a way, but some guys are just Greco guys. You know, they're, they're not all style wrestlers. They, they, they're bought up in the wrong style and they, chances are if they're in the United States, they don't discover Greco until, uh, you know, they're 21 years old anyway. Um, maybe this is just where he's supposed to be. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Uh, and there's a lot more guys out there like him who are, are Greco guys, uh, who, uh, yeah, like you're, like you're 97. Right, right. Exactly. Uh, Devin's a prime example. Um, again, a guy who, who just didn't quite crack it in folk style for, for a number of reasons. Uh, but the number one reason is he's a Greco guy. Um, you know, he can, he can throw anybody to their back. Um, and you know, he can pin anybody, um, you know, he's, he's got that potential. He's got a lot of work to do to, to, uh, refine some things. These, these guys all do. 
but, you know, he is a Greco guy, and so is Connor. And uh, I think they had to prove that to themselves, and I think they have now. What have you talked about with the guys you're bringing to Oklahoma? Uh, I think the biggest thing is uh, being consistent, uh, being consistent with the things we've worked on, uh, focusing on their game plan, um, you know, not trying to step outside of uh, 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 what they're good at. Um, obviously, there's times – you know, guys got to dig deep and, 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 you know, pull something out uh, of the hat. But, you know, we've been training hard. We've been training smart. We've been training right. Trusting in that training, trusting in the things we worked on, and uh, being confident in, in their technique. Okay, now moving past this weekend, the summer starts coming into view. Then there's, you know, uh, Fargo and everything else. That would, I, I, I guess, essentially mean that we're closing the book on year one of the program. I'm going to talk to you on the record next week for the coach's report as it is. Mm-hmm. But what I want to ask you about is recruiting. Um I, I know that's a giant deal for Williams, um, especially right now. Uh, how has that process been going? I, it's been a busy time of year. I mean, just the month of June has been completely crazy. But uh, how has interest level been? Um, any kind of movement? Any kind of progress? You're, I mean, I've I've seen that you guys have, you know, made several uh, several announcements about uh, incoming athletes to the program, but just uh, right now, like how is the overall scope as we're going into the summer? Do you have even more prospects coming down the pipeline? Yeah, um, we're still uh, we're, we're still signing guys. Um, we're still getting guys uh, uh, interested in the program and. Uh, 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 the, the interest level is still out there uh, with the uh, competitive schedule uh, the way it is right now. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to, to recruit when you're, when you're coaching every weekend, uh, which, you know, the, the folks that are the, the collegiate guys, they, they do it. Um, but it's, it's a learning curve at this time of year. Uh, but we're getting there. We're, we're building up our, our roster and um, we've got some guys who, uh, probably should have been signed a few weeks ago, but have been held off uh, just because we can't get them out here for a visit. Um, you know, when you're uh, at U23s and juniors and then followed up with uh, um, uh, with uh, uh, the world team trials right away, it's it's tough to get guys out, uh, especially when, when junior and, and cadet duels are going on. Uh, but we'll get those guys here. We'll, we'll make it work. Um you know, there's still an opportunity to get guys signed and get them get them into the program. Okay, well, w- one final that I that I have for sure is your argument, your argumentative, your argumentative style uh, in matches, after matches, um, how <laughs> despite how full of rage you must be on the inside. Uh, 
the the way you keep your composure yet like still trying to passionately explain to the you know the mat chair whomever it is um You've had to do that, I think, more times this season, your first season as the head coach of a Greco-Roman program than I, I'm guessing you could have ever possibly imagined. Well, something coming uh, back into Greco is 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 the understanding that that you're going to have to rule, argue. <laughs> yes, you're going to have to argue. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, the reality is that the folk style rules are a lot more stable than the Greco rules. I think everybody knows that. That's not a, a big surprise to anyone. And uh, there's a lot um, less consistency in, in, in the way our rules are called. Uh, and I've, I understood coming in there's going to be a lot of frustration uh, with, with the way uh, matches are, are refereed. Um, and, and understanding that has is, is, is helped me to approach things differently. Also understanding that I'm going to see these refs at every single tournament. Um, there's no sense in creating a bad name for myself. Um, I hope I haven't, um, you know, because these guys are, are going to see me, and they're only human. Um, you know, it's, it's easy to make, you know, uh, 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 a call that you go either way uh, against the guy who, who you don't like in the corner. Um, so I try to keep my composure the best I can. Um, you know, I think, I think, you know, coaches need to, to, to make a statement that we're not going to stand for refs, uh, uh, making, uh, inconsistent calls. I understand that they're struggling with the rules. I understand that the rules are changing and they're trying to figure them out. Uh, but we need to hammer things down better for, for elite level competitions, especially for world team trials, nationals, things like that. Um, we need to be on our game. Uh, we're training our guys to be, uh, at their tip top shape. Um, and, uh, I expect the same from, from our reps. And that's, uh, uh, a lot to put on their shoulders, but it's, you know, the, uh, the path they've chosen. They've chosen to be in that position. Uh, he's <laughs> the uh, one making those calls, and I'm grateful for that. Uh, but we we need to hold them up to that standard. All right. Well, listen, Coach. Absolutely. Best of luck to your guys this weekend, and uh, I'm definitely looking forward to talking to you next week as well. And that's it. Go get them. Sounds great. Thanks for the call. And that was Williams Baptist College head coach Jonathan Drendel. He's a fantastic young coach, a great human being, unfailingly humble. He was an excellent competitor himself at Northern Michigan before his life took a turn and he went into coaching. Williams Baptist needs to be paid more attention. Northern is going to be Northern. And Northern is not going to have too much difficulty recruiting talented Greco-Roman athletes. It's established. You have Rob Herman and Andy Besick as the coaches. You have 60-some-odd other wrestlers, full-time wrestlers in the room. Northern is important. It has kind of become almost a cornerstone to the national program as a whole at this stage. But Greco-Roman wrestling in the United States needs Williams Baptist to succeed. It is on a great, great trajectory it is starting to attract more eyeballs. It is starting to get more age group athletes from around the country interested. And it's great to see. And hopefully it just keeps booming from here. And now we move to Cheney Haight. 
the owner of perhaps the best arm throw in the country over the past decade, that fast, sleek, sick arm throw that he can hit from, you know, 90,000 directions and angles. Cheney's a hugely popular athlete, both because of his ability to compete, his talent, his durability, you know, just as importantly, the, the way he carries himself, the way he conducts himself. If you are a youth coach, you want your athletes to look at Cheney Haight as a role model. We didn't want this conversation to just be competitively based. We didn't just want it to be about, you know, the tournaments he's competed in this this season and how he's looking to the trials. I mean, we cover some of that here, but most importantly, it, but most of all, it's about getting to know Cheney on a more personal level. And so the conversation kind of goes off the rails, but either way, that's that's part of the process around here. So here he is, Cheney Haight. Joining us now is two-time world team member Cheney Haight, who will be competing this week at the world team trials in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Cheney, briefly, what was behind the decision to go, you know, following the world's go up to 87, and then now you're coming back down to 82? So the rise up to 87, which, I mean, you wrestled a couple times last year at 85. Anyway, we've done that before. And then, you know, for Tulsa, you're back down to where you were last year. Um, I guess at the beginning, like when I was wrestling at Schultz, mostly the only reason I even wrestled in that was because it was in my hometown. I was actually kind of thinking I was retired at the end. And just with the new weight, I wasn't interested in cutting weight. I was just missing wrestling a little bit since it sounds fun to compete. And then I did it a couple of times. And then just the more, the more I got into it throughout the year, I just realized I missed it. I still had, had fun with it. So I thought if I, if I was going to go to the trials, I needed to wrestle like at the weight I am. I always walk around like, a, like 84, 85 kilos. So I think, yeah, just just knowing I was going to jump back into it made me want to go down. Okay. Well, it's, I mean, you and I have, you know, like 90 mutual people between us. So, right. I was wondering last year what was going to be the deal. Is Cheney going to continue on? I, I wasn't going to, you know, I wasn't messing with rumors or anything else. And then you go ahead and you enter Schultz, like you said, and then you pop up again, you pop up again. And so the way that I'm now, I, I unless you're going to tell me something's different, the way that I'm kind of uh, following here, the way I'm approaching your competition right now is that you're taking it basically on a tournament by tournament basis. If you're moved enough to compete, you're going to go in. And if you don't feel like it, you're pretty much not. Is it like that? Like, is it more like a loose kind of thing? Like you don't want to say like, Oh, I'm retired. This is it. Um, but at the same time, you're not going to go raise your hand for every single, you know, event or tour that pops up. Yeah. Well, I think just, just the decision to retire last year, I went out and I got a full-time job, but my, my, my problem right now is I just, I just love this sport too much. Like every time like I, I work in construction. So if it's, if it snows outside, like a few times, like in the winter, 
like my boss would call me like, Hey, we're not going out today. It's snowing. Like my first thought is like, shoot, I can, I can go to morning practice today. <laughs> like, that's just like how, how I was thinking. I don't I, <laughs> my wife, I don't know if it's a sickness or what, but my wife was like, aren't you retired? Like, why, why do you want to go to morning practice? I'm like, if I don't go now, I can't go all week. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I just, I don't know. I'm not burned out. I feel like, I think I've kind of, thought I was retired just because I was getting older and I needed to move on, but... Why? Why? Yeah, but see, that's part of the problem, is that, I mean, especially <laughs> in the United States, is that, like, what, because a, because a guy is, is now entering his 30s, it's like, oh, okay, well, yeah, he, it, you know, it's like a, a supposed thing, you know, like, well, maybe I'm supposed to be done now. Like, I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Especially yeah, considering, well, yeah, I, dude, look how look how great you've been this year. I mean, I, I don't know, man. Like, dude, I, I don't have your life. I, I mean, I'm not putting myself in your position. I will say though, if I had what you have, like, uh, dude, I'm burning that fuel till the tank is dry. I mean, what, what else are you here for? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's kind of how my thinking start, started to go. I mean, I can keep, I still got to make a living, but I can keep doing what I'm doing. And if I feel good, like I honestly feel like I got a good shot right now. Yes, and of course. You'd practice, be, you'd I feel be crazy just as good as last otherwise. year. You know? Yes. You'd be crazy to think otherwise. Anyway. Okay. I'm glad we got that out of the way. Glad we got it settled. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, Let's go outside the the scope a little bit. Um, you're not. I mean, I, I no, I don't know your level of technical acuity here. I I, I don't know. Um, you're not big on social media. That that much I am aware of. This sport, yeah. this sport, um, a lot. Of t I mean, especially amongst the younger segment, lives and breathes on social media. Okay. Now, I mean, don't get me wrong. I got, I got some years on you, but as a married father too, like I, I'm, I'm not about to get into a Twitter war with anybody. I think it's all a bunch of nonsense. However, a couple of weeks ago, there was a lot of, I don't know, lack of a better term, griping, uh, a couple of wrestlers from Northern, uh, you know, being accusatory towards another platform for them not covering Greco enough and so on and so forth. And like, you know, whatever. Five Point doesn't get involved in that kind of thing because um, it's our policy not to acknowledge other platforms practically. Um, but this is, if anything, the, the era that we're in now comparative to when you first, let's say, got up to Marquette, a lot of the conversation takes place online and things like that. And I was just wondering, from your, you know, vantage point, if you want to call it a vantage point, even though you don't pay attention to what happens online for the most part, Greco people, I mean, you say Greco, Greco just covers the whole gamut, pretty much. But of, of Greco whining, Greco not getting this, Greco got not getting enough attention here, not enough attention there. I'm just wondering, since you're such a level-headed human, where do you stand on all this? Like, um... I don't think it's a good look for Greco as a whole to try to act like they're entitled to anything. Um, 
mostly I I want to see people like instead of talking about this, like actually go out like and and, and do something like about it. Like it's 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 not hard to figure out why why it's not popular. It's been it's been that way for a while, just because it's more freestyle is more closely related to a more. It's easier to go into freestyle after collegiate, but I think mostly you just got to build interest in Greco, and you can't really do that by just sitting there complaining like that flow or whoever is not not uh not paying attention to us. I don't know. <laughs> no, I I definitely agree with you. I'm optimistic of what I see from the younger crowd, which is good. Um, I think it just it gets tough tough when you don't have like a lot of trading centers for us to train with. But I mean, there's definitely definitely progress. I think I think I like how Arkansas has like opened up a training center. I like I see like some guys training at Utah Valley and just. I don't know. You have to work with what you got. And uh, I don't know. I just love the sport. So for me, <laughs> I'm always going to be hopeful like that. We keep, keep proving we've been in a drought like the last few years for sure. But I don't know. I don't want to get in like a battle with freestyle or anything about it. For for me, I look at everything as separate. I don't, I do not adhere to the wrestling is wrestling uh slogan i don't i i see i mean we don't even call our guys wrestlers we call them athletes greco athletes i mean everything yeah. is a separation point at, and some of that is self-imposed some of it isn't some of it's necessary and some of it isn't i just i happen to feel optimistic as well i and there's damn good evidence to suggest that people should feel optimistic you know, I mean, make them pay attention to you, if anything. Yeah, and I guess it's kind of like you said. I haven't, I haven't seen what you're talking about. Well, you're not missing but, anything. I mean, <laughs> it's nothing. It's <laughs> nothing that you would, you know, you need to know. I don't think. Um, no, the thing is, like with Facebook, anytime I was, I'm ever like even somewhat like semi moved to like make a facebook status or something like in my head it's i it's like a like a mantra or something plays and it says no one really cares about your life or what you're about to say <laughs> so so i <laughs> I, I hold off i'm like yes i am not that important nobody cares nobody cares if i did this or that everybody you know everybody's life will go on whether you do this or not so i don't <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I, can, I can see what you're saying I, I feel the same way I, I haven't felt like I've had anything important enough to say to, to say to anybody when I get on there well I mean but, you've made world teams I mean you could you made a world team last year you could have went on there and said yeah I made my second world team and you would have gotten like you know 450 likes yeah I, I think I, I post like stuff like that <laughs> on there, but I haven't been on it. Like I, I think I canceled my Facebook account after worlds. And then I realized that you could, you can't even cancel it because I signed into it like a couple of months ago and everything's just like the same. <laughs> no, you can, there's a way to delete it permanently. I forget how to do it, but there is a way to do it. No, what most people do is they think they're deleting it, but all they're really doing 
is like, like deactivating. Yes, yes, that's, that's the word. It. Yep, yep, yeah. That yeah. they do that on purpose because they want you to go back. They think they're gonna suck you back. This. Uh, let me ask you. Let me ask you an off the mat question. Uh, just going by where from where you grew up. Uh, you like snow sports, right? Yeah, I do. What is more popular in Utah, snowboarding or skiing? Mm, I'd probably give it that, like, 50-50. Really? Yeah. I snowboarded growing up, and now I ski. Try to do, like, stuff in the park when I was younger, younger and I don't, I don't care to do that nowadays. I just kind of like to hit the powder and go down the mountain. But, yeah, I got a lot of concussions snowboarding so i kind of quit that then i kind of just started skiing just for fun because i had a buddy that did it and just got into that afterwards but yeah to me they're pretty similar do you learn how to snowboard first no i learned how to ski when i was really young probably junior high i started snowboarding switched back to skiing in college is it easier on the joints I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it's easy on the knees skiing, but I haven't had, I haven't, I had an injury like from skiing doing that. I've been injured like from wrestling and then my knees hurt while I was skiing. Yeah. I always pictured, see, I, I don't know. I always pictured skiing. I haven't done either. I've I've never skied. I've never snowboarded. I I picture snowboarding easier, like somewhat easier. I don't know why I do. I, I maybe it's because like I've stood up on a surfboard in my life or something. I don't know. It's just something about skiing. Like the your feet could go in two different directions. I don't know. There you have to you have to have good body control. There's certain things that are easier with both of them. I think. Like, if I want to do, like, a spin or something, I'd rather be on a snowboard. But just going down the hill, there's something I think about just being facing forward. The snowboarding, it's like turning one way is easier than turning the other way. And I don't know. It's hard to compare. It's just I think it's just a preference thing. What about Colorado? I mean, Colorado's got a lot of ski places, right? Yeah, drive maybe a little bit. Yeah, you would think there is a lot of ski places in Colorado, but you'd think Colorado Springs does with the closest resorts like two hours away. Yeah, you got to make a trip. We're kind of southern, eastern. We're on the east side of the mountains, southern, so it's not not that cold. But, yeah, you can't get up to a resort. Like, growing up, I'd have, like – eight, nine resorts within, like, 45 minutes from me. Oh, see, you know what? I pictured that, like, in your backyard. Every time I've, like, pictured you growing up, I pictured you, like, literally, like, walking up a hill in your backyard. I I mean, that's probably stereotypical. (laughs) No, I I did have one, like, 15 minutes from my house, and I lived, like, on the base of a... I lived on like the base of a mountain, so if it snowed, if it snowed enough, I could go right up my backyard. 
Okay, so what is the particulars here? When do you break out of Springs and head over to uh, Tulsa? I leave tomorrow morning. So, I don't know, early. Okay, and all you really kind of have to do is, like, wink a little bit to watch your weight, but other than that, you're good? Yeah, my weight's good. I've been trying to get it... I've been trying to get it to where it's like I just kind of weigh like right around there because the way they're doing it with the two-hour weigh-ins, like I, I don't feel like you want to feel like you have to hydrate yourself and eat a huge meal and then get a warm-up within like two hours time span. Well, yeah. I mean, that's I mean, it's been so long since you've had to weigh in, you know, like yeah, that's like that, like high school. You know, yeah. I I mean the the question the question has been like what kind of advantage could that be potentially for the American athletes because the lion's share of whomever makes this team obviously wrestled throughout high school and probably some in college or whatever it was and like yeah I mean are, are U.S. athletes more accustomed to weighing in same day I mean absolutely they are whether that's advantageous or not at the yeah. world level I have no idea I mean I yeah imagine I never some thought time. about that but but I think that'd definitely be an advantage for the U.S. well hopefully a lot of guys like I think of like Pat Smith or something he wrestled like D1 college so he, just like a couple of years ago so he's done that a lot right yeah exactly i mean maybe it is uh we'll we'll come to find out i guess i mean the only thing i don't i didn't like about this year and hall and i have talked about this a million times if we talked about it once is the tournaments where the two-day tournaments where the second day was a two kilo allowance you know yeah and they and they're taking it away next year (laughs) The two kilo allowance disappears next year. So what? What was the point? You know, I mean, if you're gonna do it, do it. Why have a two kilo allowance as like some kind of grace period, some kind of you know warm up you, you thing? Can do it or something. Exactly. Yeah. It's. It's. I mean, especially since you know the you figure qualifying starts next year. You know. And like, I don't know. I just, they should have, they should have, everybody, there's going to be so many guys moving around as it is, you know, like what, what is this two, this, all that two kilo allowance did was make guys who were going to move up or down, whatever the case may be. Anyway, all it did was make them hang, hang out at a weight they're not going to be at, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe delayed a year or something. Exactly. I don't know. Okay. Cheney, look. I'm not going to keep you. Um, I, I know that you're busy um, and you have a world team you're going to be trying to make. Pleasure, privilege, and honor to get a chance to speak with you. Best of luck Thursday, I guess. Yeah, Thursdays when this is all rolling out, right? So one more, one more hop in the saddle. Yep. All right, man. Thanks. For, thanks for having me. And that was Cheney Haight, who will be attempting to make his third U.S. World Team this week. The challenge tournaments unfold on Thursday. All the weight classes, the best of three series for each weight class go on Friday early afternoon. You can catch the action live on Flow Wrestling, as is the case with each domestic event currently. I was prompted and prodded and urged to address the 
situation from a couple weeks back that popped on social media. Cheney and I, you know, briefly went over it if you were listening. But I'm not really going to. First off, it's five point move policy, not to really talk about other media outlets, other websites, other platforms. Uh, what they do is their business. What we do is ours. I get a lot of emails, texts, and I correspond with a lot of writers, journalists, and reporters from other places, and they ask for help pertaining to Greco athletes. They want information. They want to learn more. Maybe they're going to kind of cover an event or whatever it is, and I'll always drop pretty much everything to help other media outlets in this country if they're looking for Greco info. That's part of this deal, and I'm thrilled to do it. But in, in the case of this whole nonsense uh people don't know how to act their age and that's that's fine but i'm not gonna i'm certainly not gonna go into it in in detail and i'm not gonna get long-winded and tangential and it's, it's ultimately inconsequential to say the least i will sum it up this way though you know greco is our own entity you know it's our we're we're a faction as it were, we are our own kind of thing, our own biosphere. It's a close-knit kind of group. And if you don't live in our house, keep your mouth shut. Okay, if you'd like to follow Dennis Hall on Twitter, and I don't know why you wouldn't, even though he's, of course, not active, then again, maybe if he was, the situation a couple of weeks ago would have turned out a very different way because all Hall would have to do is reply with, you know, one or two sentences and it would be mic drop and everybody moves on either way. If you'd like to follow him, please do. That would be at Dennis Hall WGW. And of course, please hang out and support five point move. That's five point move.com on Twitter at five PT. That's it for episode 17. We'll be back next week with a whole post-trials wrap. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you later. This show is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com. This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! (sighs) Ah, smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash, (sighs) hmm, you can stay one step ahead of stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of hefty large black bags.